Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship. You can get the details. And if you've got something cool working with v6, we want to hear from you. I'm Ed Horley with my co-host, Tom Cuffin and Scott Hogan. Today, we're going to be talking about 2023 and sort of an end-of-year wrap-up and what sort of stood out to us as being important for IPv6 in, in, in 2023. So I guess we can jump in and talk about it. I, I, I don't know, what what is our feelings about what are significant milestones that IPv6 hit in 2023? Is there anything that we felt like was, was a standout in terms of, of stuff going on? Well, if you go by Google stats, which isn't a bad uh, way to go necessarily, you you can see that there's been, I don't know, whopping three to 4% growth overall for the year in IPv6 total. So like somewhere, I think we started out the year hovering around 40, 41%, uh, according to Google. And now I think we're somewhere close to 45%. So and that's not world, insignificant. That's worldwide adoption. That's versus, yeah, that's worldwide. worldwide, worldwide. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. <laughs> I, I guess compared to finance, maybe that's not a big deal, but <laughs> for, <laughs> that's right. If your portfolio only grew that much, then uh, inflation would be uh, kneecapping you, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I I think some of the important things is is we're actually getting some traction of, of things moving through the ITF around fixes, operational fixes that V6 needs. And there's been a whole slew of them that have, have sort of been working their way through. I feel like fixing ULA is a big one. Um, Our endless complaining about broken ULA has actually produced results. I don't know if it was us. <laughs> probably other people that were that were uh, that were it's moving that along. Yes, yes. So shout out to Nick, who is by the way now the third V6 ops chair, uh, along with Ron and Xi Ping. So congrats to Nick on that one. But uh, um, but yeah, just yeah, Nick Baraglio, our most uh, frequent guest on IP6. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, and I guess in addition is also getting a new documentation prefix that the that they're seriously considering, you know, moving forward with that, which will help I think everyone in terms of just being able to build and describe V6 networks a little better. Uh, it couldn't have happened sooner. I mean, I I remember you know working on the book back in 2014 and being like, I just I don't have enough documentation space. It's like that the single slash 32 that's set aside for IPv6 documentation. You know, if you're trying to depict uh, if you like a multi-service provider uh, arrangement for you know for an IPv6 enabled AS, you you're kind of stuck. You know you have to like show prefixes that look like they're from the same essentially from the same upstream provider. That doesn't really work. And then of course if you have a larger enterprise network that you're trying to model, given that you know pretty much the smallest enterprise these days is it has to work really hard not to get a slash thirty two from Aaron. Uh, you know, you, you just you don't really have enough um, documentation prefix space to to depict anything that's that's larger. So that's it's been a long time coming, and I hope it's something that 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 goes through and gets enabled. Yeah, and they didn't go they didn't go small, right? So that was plus. I'm sorry, Scott. What was that? Oh, you could always use two thousand one colon DB nine or two thousand one <laughs> colon DBA. That's, that's right. Sure. DB, DBC. You can whole, you, whole you, you can use whatever you want. <laughs> technically, right? Yeah, yeah. You could just squat on someone else's address space without yeah. without fear. But the, I think the the current proposal is they they want to assign a slash twenty, 
right. which is which would help tremendously for many well, organizations. And then, right. but then, of course, that knocked loose the comment that uh, there's even been some slash like a slash sixteen allocated recently, which was just I think everyone was kind of gobsmacked that uh, that that had happened. I mean, we knew the DoD had one from back in the day. Yeah, uh, but well, the DoD a, is rolling up to a slash 13 now they have so much address space they're rolling into a slash 13 so and then you're bumping right up against what the the regional internet registries actually have in reserve for their their current allocations right i mean they get a slash 12 slash 12 slash 12 or slash 11 or something like that yeah (laughs) it's like half of the the, the rear space (laughs) to one one end network but yeah uh, yeah that's a different story well I, i don't think they're just contiguous but they have the equivalent of a slash 13 so you know, go DOD. <laughs> so that's a pretty significant change in terms of just, I, I think the, the maybe that's one of the big movements uh, of, of important milestones is we are shifting left um, as, as just as a trend. I think that's been a, a trend mm-hmm. within 2023 is, is definitely a left shift adoption um, uh, going on. And, and I think there's also been a lot more movement from all the vendors and manufacturers because of the significant pressure from the U.S. federal government around trying to meet their mandates that there's a lot more attention being paid to trying to get V6 features uh, and capabilities built into product. I think that's been a pretty big shift that we've seen. There's a lot more discussion around that set of capabilities overall. Um, At least that's my feeling. Yeah, I think so. Um, If we could get them to update their documentation to actually include V6 in a sane way. But uh, in their defense, we heard literally what we were just talking about with the documentation prefix being what it is. But still, we see some some, <laughs> some pretty odd representations of V6 space in, in documentation that vendors are providing. So two steps forward, one step back. It's like, great, you got the feature supported in the product. And now if you could actually show a documentation example of deploying it with V6 that aligned with how v6 addressing actually gets assigned that would be great but your mileage may vary in that regard yeah i think that's fair well do we feel like there was a shift in v6 activity in terms of overall in 2023 i i certainly feel like there was a big shift and i and i mainly feel like it was coming in terms of getting operational issues addressed versus just i i guess i call it theoretical navel gazing (laughs) <laughs> the IPv6 protocol, it feels like there's a bunch more purely operational issues that are coming to the table now in terms of trying to get to maybe v6 only. And yeah, and how much that of that how, exactly? And how much of that do you feel like is coming from uh, at least, I, I don't know, like the Fed mandate is kind of hanging there, looming large in, in the, the IT lives of a lot of folks uh, in the federal space related mm-hmm. to v6 and v6 only. Um, is it, do we feel like that's sort of creating a theme outside of just the federal space? I don't know if it's necessarily outside the federal space, but I certainly feel like they're bringing more of the operational issues of trying to get this stuff to work back to the table on the ITF mm-hmm. side and saying like, hey, this doesn't really work the way you think it does, or the implementations don't work in this way. And we need to reach out to all the vendors to figure out how to make something be better than what it's what, what it is currently. Um, is at least my impression. Uh, I could be wrong. That a good example of this is is you know they just had the supercomputing conference and and Nick and 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 Jeremy Duncan were actually there helping to work on on a bunch of issues and they they actually flagged some problems with you know the DHCP option one hundred eight issues um, and and they're a combination of end client desktop strangeness due to you know 
organizations turning off v6 on those devices altogether and you know a bunch of other combinations of things but it's nice to see some reported activity coming back and, and feedback coming back in the loop um, well in the and just the bigger operational picture there is is moving from you know something a configuration that we know works has been tested and and re it's reliable in, in the form of dual stack and then really trying to push things more in the direction of preferring ipv6 is that what is that a fair characterization yeah, I think that's a trend that's probably started in twenty the tail end of twenty twenty three here, and it's probably going to continue into twenty twenty four. Yeah, so pushing towards IPv six only, and then recognizing that because of these sort of limitations within host OSs, you know, uh, some of the features not being fully quite fully mature, then you end up with the the, the opportunity to to do kind of an IPv six mostly. That's the phrase that's sort of going around. Well, I think yeah, and I. I think there's the whole problem of like if you don't operate in a v6 only network you're going to do certain sets of behaviors on maybe the client os that ignores v6 and suddenly you can't do that if you're in a v6 only environment right so right you, you've got to change your security policies maybe your routing maybe your full tunnel configurations things of that nature that might interfere with with doing v6 only and in, in the in the way that you know many organizations are going to have to move to so I think that's a I think that's a real world thing. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else shift wise that we felt, you know, sort of like top of mind or anything yeah. else? I mean, we've definitely seen an increase in IPv6 attacks on the internet. Oh, uh, CrowdSec noted a thirty five percent increase in IPv6 addresses showing up in their platform of reported bad actors between May and June, uh, just this summer. Oh, so wow. we see IPv6 attacks increasing. Certainly have seen IPv6 added to more security tools uh, <laughs> this year. Um, and so you yes. feel like you feel like the security industry is starting to pay more attention to v6 just overall. Attackers are. <laughs> uh, They're part it, of the industry. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be two things. It could be a clueless attacker that unleashes an attack, and they it just happens to take place over IPv6 because <laughs> they know? happen to have v6 on their on their the, yeah their yeah, botnet yeah. army has IPv6 unbeknownst to them, and the target has a quad A record. And, so, and, and they don't can't know. Even, can't even get the hackers to pay attention to IPv6 sometimes. It's happy eyeballs working for it. <laughs> yeah. It could be a clueful attacker that's specifically exploiting something over IPv6 that was well defended over IPv4. Yeah. And they know that's giving them an advantage. But definitely, I mean, we knew that as IPv6 grew, it would increase, it would, it would gain the attacker's attention. Mm -hmm. So we've seen that. I don't, I don't know. Is that a positive? <laughs> it's something that's, that's changed this year. It's a shift yeah. in IPv6 activity. Yeah, and we see a sure. lot more large scale IPv6 internet scanning, you know, this year compared to previous years. Right. I guess, I guess we'll just continue to see that growing and growing and growing, you know, as, as years go on. Because... And, and Scott, do, yeah, for sure. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ed. No, no, it's all good. I was just going to say, do you, Scott, do you feel like the, the vendors are, are, keeping up um i mean that's a huge jump to, uh, and obviously they're they're not necessarily going to address it in real time but is the trend you know towards adopting uh, security measures within the product sets you know sort of keeping pace you feel like there's been good progress there 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Fair I enough. guess that's a trend we have to keep an eye out for for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> is there improvement in the security landscape? Because I think that's I think that's going to be a bigger and bigger issue as as time moves on here. Yeah, in particular, I think the ability to detect who's doing scanning activity, putting those bad actors IPv6 addresses onto block lists, giving them bad reputation, and then getting those into the reputation, you know, filters. So you know, we see companies like you know CrowdSec that can do that, uh, uh, abuse IP database, but then many other commercial vendors don't don't do that well when the commercial vendors that have products that then provide reputation information. Right. Well, and maybe maybe we pivot a little bit. Yeah. Is is the sort of adjacent to that? Are are SaaS services and cloud services getting any better with V six? Are we feeling like that changed at all in in twenty twenty three? Do we feel like that's? It certainly seems like the amount of announcements coming out of like AWS around V six support mm -hmm. has been has gone up quite a bit this year versus maybe years past. I mean, there was a a big sprint around a bunch of initial v6 services within aws a couple of years ago and then it seems like there's a very steady cadence coming out mm -hmm. now yeah yeah every earlier this year and over and pretty much every month you can see new new announcements being made yeah. i think we could also see more i think one trend i saw this year was more content being accessible over ipv6 so whether it may be people implement or v6 enabling public facing web services with IPv6 uh, from their own on-premises data centers or, you know, co-location hosting facilities, or they're using cloud infrastructure to do this and it's making it easy or they're using CDNs. But we definitely saw an increase in like W3 techs reported an increase right. in the top 1000 websites. Now 50 over 52% use IPv6. So, so that means it we're over the threshold. Over the threshold, and it would be weird for a really popular website to be V4 only at this point. And so we see also the top, you know, ten thousand websites being, you know, fifty-one percent. So V6 is now in the majority. Also, the more popular a website is, the more likely it is to use IPv6 because it knows that there because they realize there's a performance advantage to using IPv6 when. They're being accessed by IPv6 only mobile devices. Yeah, for sure. Those devices don't have to go through a NAT, DNS64, NAT64, 464x lap process <laughs> to reach their v4 only website. So the performance is better when they turn up their content v6. So I think that's finally catching on. And that's the statistics that we saw this year. Yeah. Increase. And I think and I think they don't want to rely on someone else to proxy someone getting to their service, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's another uh, big issue is that you don't really have that end-to-end -end control, mm -hmm. uh, a, a direct relationship with your with your end user, yeah, in the way that you would want. Well, so, as other statistics, if you look at the AP NIC IPv6 statistics, India's been you know 60, 65, 70, 75. I just looked at it a few moments ago. Eighty-one percent IPv6 oh, usage in India. Wow. So we're starting to see, you know, and if you looked at, you know, Facebook's IPv6 statistics, at least here in the United States, it's like 60%. So V4 right. is starting to become in the minority. We're, we're crossing that tipping point in some places or, or some places like India, they're far past that tipping point.
Yeah, the tipping point that we've been talking about for the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For every website that loads over V6, it was one less website that loaded over IPv4. Yep. So you have this tipping point effect. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to, I guess I, we, we could talk about predictions and maybe some trends that we expect <laughs> to see in 2024. I guess we see, we plan on seeing continuation of that, of that behavior. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised about that, but um, uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a slow, slow, you know, slog maybe <laughs> for, for enterprises to get to V6. I think the larger side of the organizations, maybe the fortune 500, the, you know, four global 2000 or whatever are all going to start investing and looking in V6 just because of the the impact of the world markets uh, have on them and, and these sorts of behaviors. But maybe the the rest are, are still going to be you know scratching their head trying to figure this out and and what's going to happen. I don't know if I expect to see much change for those organizations in 2024. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I feel like uh, related to uh, address allocation policy that we mentioned earlier and, and uh, you know that you mentioned the left shift to the fact that you know we've we've got these examples of these like inordinately large allocation of you know say a slash 16 but uh not to focus too much on that and and just sort of recognize the larger trend of of, of rears being willing to allocate you know, more space initially and enterprises you know sort of recognizing I, I hope this is the year that that trend will obviously I think the trend will continue from the rear perspective but I think along with that is the the opportunity for enterprises to recognize the the advantage of having that additional prefix space and sort of you know maybe settling uh, on a on a newer standard related to how enterprises are numbering into v6 address space with larger allocations and you know giving them some architectural flexibility that they may not have perceived before because they're mm -hmm. just you know v6 is so new and you know it's like well you know any allocation i get is going to be big enough and and then you know <laughs> actually when they start to <laughs> start to carve it up and and you know do summarization within regions or you know uh, sparse allocate to uh, to sites within the overall enterprise you know, they start bumping up against, uh, you know, the limits of an allocation that they might have gotten like five or 10 years ago when they weren't really sort of thinking about V6 more seriously. So I hope that that's, I hope that that's the case in 2024, that we see more of that. And that uh, that's, you know, like to, that I think is a, a hugely beneficial thing to enterprises in the long run. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the other thing that I, th that I think it's a trend that we'll see carry forward is, is a recognition that many enterprises need this similar or same or functionally <laughs> the same, even feature parity the same with V4 around network address translation. And, and it seems like there's some movement forward with MPT V6 moving to a standard as opposed to the experimental status it is currently, and maybe even horror of horrors for those in the ITF, you know, some sort of NAT 6.6 considerations because of the mismatch of prefix sizes that that providers are doing, uh, you know, that sort of justify that, you know, doing some sort of overloading for for address space might actually make sense, um, because of the because the sort of the provider independent provider assigned sort of of issues for for remote sites that maybe aren't BGP multi home right. <laughs> So I think there's going to be some a bunch of activity there. I don't know I don't know how that's going to play out. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of arguing back and forth about what needs to happen. But I think at the end of the day, they have to give these organizations the tools that they require. Um, otherwise, they will just generate them on their own and they won't have a standard. 
I don't know. What what else do we think is, you know, 2024 is going to have a lot of activity uh, around? I think, and, and and we have talked about this in previous shows, but, you know, the sort of the the capabilities of using a CLAT in, in an IPv6-only access network. And, you know, there's capabilities of of both Android, Mac OS, and, and iOS to be able to do this. So if Windows adds a CLAT capability, we suddenly could get a lot of options available to us to be able to run v6 only client access networks or maybe ipv6 mm -hmm. mostly networks and um and be able to provide a more of a you know belt and suspenders approach because you know dns64 nat64 is a great solution for enterprises and for many organizations but there's use cases where it can't address the need requirements of the end client uh mm -hmm. specifically around ones that have embedded ipv4 um and, and they're not using DNS to look anything up, right? And so how do you build a transition technology for those devices when you don't even have V4 on on the stack? And I think it's very interesting that we're using something that the mobile providers have been using for a long time to potentially solve this problem in in the um, in the enterprise space, which is something I, I think is very new. I mean, I don't know, Scott, if your impressions are, are different on that. I know you've been doing a bunch of testing around it, but it, it, it certainly feels very new for enterprises to even consider something like this. Yeah, I think, you know, using V6 only for large enterprises, well, we, we tend to think, oh, maybe it's just the federal government or an organization that has a mandate to move to V6 only might be interested in this. But I think as any large enterprise starts to think about IPv6, they realize IPv6 doesn't fix their V4 address limitations. They're and so they realize, oh, dual stack. Well, I still need to roll out V4 addresses to those nodes. And now I'm maintaining two protocols and the and they're starting to it's starting to dawn on them the increased operational expenses of running a network with two protocols. So enterprises are starting to shift their thinking. You know, they provide a network infrastructure like a service provider to their subscribers. And the subscribers are the employees. Employees have gotten used to using mobile devices on 4G, 5G networks, and those service providers have a V6-only core. And so enterprises, I think, are starting to think of themselves, well, if they're like a service provider, then shift. And can we take design patterns from service providers and implement a V6-only core, or at least turn on end nodes with V6-only? Now we've gotten rid of our v4 dependencies now we need things that a server you know in the client that the service provider has done in the past which is dns64 nat64 and 464x lat so now they're looking at their end user desktop operating systems and saying we need the capabilities in those that exist in a mobile phone and so I think that shift is happening and I think that awareness is growing and will grow into next year. You'll see more enterprises. It'll dawn on them. Hey, I see the benefits of V6 only. Can I do this? Well, I'm if I'm limited in the features I have in my enterprise end user host operating systems, well, that's a problem that limits their ability to, to do these design architectures like service providers have in the past. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on this because uh, for the audience, I, th I think the CLOT NAT64 is going to is going to be something that people should really, really be 
paying attention to because it'll, it'll give a lot of um, uh, give a lot of consideration for that backup capability of saying if DNS 64 NAT 64 isn't working and you know the CLAC can be triggered on on the host OS, mm-hmm. we can solve this problem and and we can move to a v6 only network. And, and let's face reality, the client devices consume the, probably the mass majority of IP addresses within any organization, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to transition those devices to v6 only gives substantial savings or, or at least recovery of, of IPv4 address space, yeah. which could have you know a big impact because if you're consuming them in other places that you might need them, you know, IoT, public cloud, whatever else that you, that you need to reassign or reallocate those, then this gives you the flexibility to do exactly that. Yeah, so. I think enterprises, when they assess their applications, they realize, oh, there's a lot of applications that have a V4 dependency, have something that doesn't work with mm-hmm. DNS 6.4, NAT 6.4, doesn't start with a DNS query, has an embedded V4 literal, makes a direct socket connection to a hard-coded V4 <laughs> address. They realize, oh my gosh, there are these things, and they're on the end-user desktop. And the way we can solve that is with a CLAT to be that um, safety net to pick up those things that are still trying to use V4. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I think from a, the, the other thing that probably is going to happen, uh, I think for 2024 is you're going to start seeing more vendors and manufacturers driving towards feature parity over time as things are moving away from dual stack to, to V6 only, right? You're going to have to have feature parity within within platforms, right? Which includes all the security ones that we mentioned earlier. But but I think you're going to start seeing a trend where they're going to try and be figure out like, hey, what do we need to do to get full feature parity going on as opposed to functional parity, right? Functional parity works in a dual stack environment just fine, but feature parity is really what you're after when you're trying to move to a V6 only. You guys agree with that or? I yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We've solved the problems of of what's going to happen for V6 in, in 2024. I, I'm sure something's going to come from left field <laughs> and uh, and happen. But I, you know, I think I think that's at least our our, our thoughts around it. I, did you guys have anything else that you were you were, you were thinking about, or anything else that you thought like, hey, may, maybe this might this might occur? Well, I just I just want to say I'm happy for the folks that tuned in and checked us out in, in 2023 and longtime listeners who've been listening from the beginning. So it's great that we have folks that are interested in IPv6 and that uh, tune into our ramblings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks to all the listeners, and we appreciate all the all the follow up we get, and we look forward to more questions and running into more problems and discussing how that we solve them. Or don't. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure out a way. I'm optimistic. I agree. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a a, quite an honor to be able to talk to everyone about uh, V6, and I think uh, I think my co-host would agree with that. Unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. You can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on X at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up which, uh, each one of us on X too. Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogan. I'm at E. Horley. And because X or Twitter or whatever they're calling it this week is having challenges, you can always head over to packetpushers.net slash FU to send follow-up questions and comments about the show. We love getting those. And, and just a quick note, we do have a new logo for the Packet Pushers podcast show for this show, and there's going to be some other big changes happening for the podcast coming in the new year. So stay tuned. <laughs> we want to mention it so you aren't surprised. And as a preview, we're going to be doing some IPv6 basic shows to 
So to help new listeners get up to speed on B6, we hope it's useful for some of our longtime listeners too. And thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast uh, apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes uh, or your favorite podcast app. And uh, please recommend the show to friends and colleagues. We would appreciate that too. And if you like this podcast, we recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break Podcast, plus all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.